Welcome to Gaming NBS Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Good to have you here. Yeah, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. <laughs> so where are we at? We're like episode 107, man. Yes. Cool. Very good. Very good. Been doing this for a while. I think we got it down. Got it down to a, a science, as they say. Boom. We do. Just popped my water open. Did you? Okay. I did. Well, announcements. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get in there. So first up is uh, Game Hold. Uh, Pre-reg closes on October 15th. Your badge prices are going to jump up five, five bucks for on-site. So if you want to save yourself $5 and you're coming to Game Hole and you do not yet have your badge, get your ass over there, GameHoleCon.com, and uh, get your badge. Um, speaking of getting badges, <clears throat> over at Evercon.org, our pre-reg is open uh, if you want to get in on that as well. You can get your badges. You can submit your events and so forth. And uh, our good friend, friend of the show, friend of mine from uh, ages back, Kevin uh, Lovecraft and his son Austin, will be helping us run um, some games on demand at Evercon this year. So that'll be pretty damn cool. I haven't cool seen Austin that. around on the social medias. Where are you, Austin? Where are you, buddy? He's out. He's probably finding out a way. He's probably pulling his hair out because you said one of us has said something. He's like, God damn it, Brett. <laughs> probably silently cursing me somewhere. <laughs> oh, I gamed with Austin and Kevin uh, yesterday, actually, for uh, my bad magic game. We wrapped that up. That was a lot of fun. Both of them were there. We uh, had a chance to kind of go through some of the games on demand plan of attack for uh, Evercon this coming January. So should be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. Sweet. And um, bonus BS episodes for the GMs running under our banner at GameholeCon. Don't be afraid to go out there. Download those bits. Just small little burbs. If there are any Game Masters out there who are running under our banner and have not yet recorded a blurb with Sean or for us and would like to do so, not required, obviously. But if you want to do that, get a hold of Sean or I, and uh, we'll get you going. We'll hook you up there. Yeah. Hobbs, Hobbs like said, hey, you calling me out on the show. What's up with that? No. No, Hobbs, Hobbs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to record one. It's all Absolutely good. Absolutely not. It's not. It's just, I jab, I poke, I poke fun because I love. Yeah, that's what he says on the mic. He's what he says otherwise, Hobbs. Whew. Come on. Guys, I, no, I'm kidding. I'm Get kidding. Get in bed with Hobbs. Uh, jokes aside, though, obviously, you don't want, don't have to, don't need to, no big deal. Just, it's a cool thing if it's, if you're in for it. Any announcements on your side, Sean? Do Got it. Here? That's right. Any uh, announcements? Uh, Nothing? No, I, no announcements, Brett. No. All right, let's go on to the next part then. Oh, yeah. Random encounter or calling BS. As the uh, as the kids are saying these days. I know. Oh, so yes, we have a voicemail. We have a voicemail. From a prestigious listener. I believe so. Let's see if I can cue that up. Lay it Sar- on me. Sergeant Pemberfoot. The uh, only veteran halfling I know called in. Brett and Sean, this is Dungeon Master Pemberfoot calling in. I told you I wanted to call in. Uh, Your episode uh, about magic items inspired me to uh, let you guys know in a long ramble exactly how I do it. So detect magic, we'll identify. Let's, Let's use a magic item first off as an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, Vorpal sword. Okay, so player characters will come upon a sword. It'll be a nice sword, fine craftsmanship. Uh, They might even see some odd language on it that they can't decipher. Okay, they have an inkling. It's magical. Well, detect magic. We'll verify that, yes, indeed, it is magical. Now, after that, I may give a simple, yes, it's magical, yes, it's plus three. But other than that, they won't know jack about it. Why I give the plus three is because, you know, at the table, speeds up combat, makes everything smooth. They already know it's magical after that, so the cat's out of the bag. Now, if they want to know anything more about it, they'll have to cast Identify. Once player characters cast Identify, then they can go into the trigger words of a magic item, its history, who made it, who made that item could also lead to research, and side quests of other items possibly. Hey, I love your show. I just wanted to give you guys a call and tell you how I do it at my table. But this is DM Pemberfoot signing off. Have a good night. Awesome. <clears throat> That's pretty cool. I, I, 
I'll tell you, um, I was talking to the guys after my Bad Magic game, and even before that, um, <laughs> excuse me, we were playing some Role Master on Friday night, and the different tweaks, the ways that people house rule a thing or whatever it is, I still believe that that is a core part of our hobby. It's a really, really cool thing. And the flair and the way that a dungeon master or players and game masters attack different components and make it work at their table, that's just really cool. So, Mr. Pemberfoot, sir, I salute you. That is awesome. I like that idea. I like the way that works. It's not too uh, invasive. It's not invasive to the game. It makes things roll pretty well. And uh, as long as the crew is uh, is enjoying it, is doing what you guys want it to, carry on, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. I think we used to kind of do something similar where it was, if especially if it's got the modifier to it, got to give it to yes. the player so you're not sitting there. Otherwise, you have to futz with that. So, oh, what what did you roll? A 10. 13. Oh, you yeah, hit. Exactly. Right. Oh, I hit on 10. Somebody else doesn't hit on 10. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it, there's there's other ways to do the bookkeeping, but if you, you know, yeah, it totally, I get where Bemberfoot's coming from. It's sometimes just a lot fit, faster to throw that out there just to keep things rolling. And if it doesn't, it doesn't wreck anything, you know, there's still, there's still magic. There's still some weirdness about it. You got strange languages on the blade. That's some cool stuff. I like it. I like it. You get to read the first one. All right. Goblin's Henchman emails Ooh. us. Yeah. Goblin's Henchman. I like it. First up, thanks for the podcast. It's got me through some late night decorating sessions. I've uh, been listening since about episode 90. Pretty cool. Just finished listening to last episode about magic items, episode 106. I agree with the general sentiment that players need to work to find out what an item does. Eh. To cut a long story short, I eventually used a secret system. Uh oh, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't divulge this. No, no, no. No one's gonna. This oh yeah, his, none of his players are listening. None of his players yeah. know this. They're fine. I eventually used the secret system to keep track of magic plus weapons. I'd give weapons a name, maybe engraved on the blade. So the players could find it. Uh, the first letter of the name equated to the weapons plus. Oh. Example, plus one equals name starts with an O. Plus two, name starts with a T. Plus three, name starts with an H. Four, with an F. Five, in the likely event, name would start with Unlikely an I. Unlikely event. Unlikely event, yes, thank you. Uh, name would start with an I. The blade of Thune is nearly a plus two sword. It's got to be. It's it says Thune right on it, so therefore it's a plus two sword. Clearly, <sighs> a code word like sword could be used instead. Very true. P.S. B.S. P.S. B.S. Hey, I like it. There we go. I'm going to have a go at poking a whole new James C. Rule lawyering in episode 102. Okay, he's going to poke right. a hole at Mr. Was it Carruthers might have. I think so, yeah. I wrote in and he was going <clears> to <throat> poke a hole in that. I don't know. Well, let's see what happens here. So he says, to paraphrase, James C. said, DMs really should pull their finger out, stop, play, and look up rules when they don't know a rule. He made some valuable points about how this could be done without slowing play. Correct, he did. Yes, he did. But to me, rules are just a mechanic to enable gameplay. RPGs are not chess. Some rules are core and some are not. Don't spoil the mood or moment by making up a rule if an effective ruling would suffice, especially if it is a non-core rule. That's right. good. I'll admit, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of the core rule. Is if the core rule can't get you out of ninety percent of your jams, it's a shitty core rule. The core mechanics should be able to get you out of most jams. All right. Uh, but to me, rules are just a mechanic. I mentioned that. I'll admit, James had me on the back foot with his spell example. But I think I've untied his logic not. DMs like Brett can make a ruling on non-core rules like grappling as they have some feel for what this might entail. However, a DM can't really make a ruling on a spell like time stop or whatever the example was because there is no point of reference to generalize from. Time to crack the book open. If you trust the player, get them to do it. Brett, back yourself. Your instincts seem good to me. Goblins, henchmen. So the henchman has an interesting point. That is, that's another way to look at it, right? So the time stop piece, yeah, I don't have a decent point of reference. 
is for how that works. Yeah, you, that um, kind of scratches everything, right? Yeah, I, I don't know the spell. I'm like, oh shit, how does that really function? Where combat is grappling, excuse me, grappling is combat esque enough that I could screw about and use a gut feeling or something along those lines. But yeah, no, that that makes sense. There's a yeah, there's something to be said about that when when the rule or the thing you're trying to do is either so outside the core rule mechanic or it is something it's hard to extrapolate or generalize from there's something crazy like time stop or wish um you're like, okay what exactly does that do that sounds like a that sounds like a huge <laughs> game changer here folks what do we do with this and uh needing to get the details so that's, yeah. good. that's, yeah. a, good, that's a good approach too thank you mr henchman thanks for writing in Absolutely. first time writer inner i think uh yeah at least and going by that name <clears throat> Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the show. I appreciate you sticking with us since 90. That's pretty awesome. Yes. Uh, and then we have Forrest Gary writing in on Google Plus um, talking again about the last episode here. I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, one thought occurred to me, uh, however, was that one could create a table similar to that in Gamma World First Edition or Mutant Crow Classic, but for magic items. <clears throat> Excuse me. Determine a level of complexity for the item. Give mages and those with arcane knowledge skill. And those who have had previous exposure to related magics, a bonus to the roll, and cast the die and see what happens. If they fail to identify it the first time, give them another chance later and suit suitable time delay here. <clears throat> Excuse me. With another bonus, since they have already tied, uh, tried to familiarize themselves with the item, always include a chance for cast arc failure because that crap is just funny. Of course, there's a good point. There it is. In one of the uh, Mutant Crawl classic games I ran, one of the PCs picked up an alien laser rifle and tried to figure out how it operated. Unfortunately, she rolled a natural one on her D20 check, resulting in the gun firing in a random direction before falling to pieces. That was the random check that incinerate, incinerated a certain character named Bretsky. Oh, I heard about Oh, uh, yeah, Bretsky. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Wayne told me about Bretsky. So the young lady, <sighs> that was uh, Wayne's daughter. That was Mr. Humphrey's daughter, yes. Yeah, Wayne Humphrey. A good time was had by all, except Bretsky, because he died horribly. Anyway, I'm confident that enterprising GMs can come with up with something similar for whatever system. Yes, there's the chance of horrible failure, but more likely, the character will ha just have to spend time trying to figure out how the item works. If they succeed marvelously, give them the information about the item's creation history, as well as letting them know how it works, how many charges it has left, etc. If they succeed somewhere in the middle, give them enough knowledge to not accidentally blast Bretsky uh, with the wand of fireballs or whatever, let them figure out the uh, intricacies over time. I should note that the table I'm talking about in uh, Gamma World and Mutant Crawl Classics is the ar artifact check table for post-apocalyptic characters trying to figure out ancient pre-collapsed technology. Forrest, that is really cool. I'll tell you, there's <clears throat> one of the cool things that DCC does and the OSR has is the tables, the charts, and so forth. DCC, we've talked about that when we had Jen Brinkman on the show a while back, That's which is a great two-episode, by the by, uh, if you want to get in on that. Uh, go back, listen to it. It's cool. <clears throat> anyway, the 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 idea of having, if you don't know what to do, sometimes having a chart to roll on, like, look, I could really use a random encounter. We talked about this in another episode about random encounters and so forth. Even if you don't use the dice, even if you want to fudge the dice or pick something off a chart, having something prepped, having something in front of you that says, this is what could happen if somebody dicks around with this magic item. They're fucking about, and lo and behold, they determine X. You can have them roll a die. You could pick a thing. Or, you know, or whatever, but having this type of a chart there is a great way to get the old uh, Game Master brain flowing. Uh, so it doesn't let you get caught flat-footed, I guess is what I'm saying. They're, I like the charts. They're fun. That's a good idea. Indeed. Sean, over to you, sir. So Matt Bonhoff, I don't know if we want to cover this right now, but he, in reference to the magic item topic we had last week, Last episode, I think the idea of a system agnostic mini game for identifying magic items or other world building based on competitive legend telling is solid gold. I'll, I'll say that that is Sean's idea. So apparently the Sean train was carrying gold. Well done, Mr. Kelly. Uh, every once in a while. Yes. Very, very seldom. Blind squirrels finding whatever they're finding. There we go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, anyone want to expand on how it would work? So I'll have a link in the show notes. There's people that are commenting on, on Matt's inquiry. Um, yeah, Tim brought up like the, uh, Baron Munchausen thing directly from your example of like, Hey, do it kind of Munchausen-esque. And he's like, Hey, there's a game. 
and he gave he gave some ideas. So it's a it's a cool little uh, it's a cool little back and forth out there. And if you have some ideas or like don't like something or you use something similar, hell, get out there and uh, comment away. I think it'd be cool to see what people are doing. Yeah. So if you did not listen to the last episode, basically what we were doing, we're talking about magic items and how to like how do we run magic items? How do we allow people to detect the properties of a magic item, et cetera, identify the properties, et cetera, right? And I came up with a, everybody sits around and grabs the item and talks about it and does a Baron Munchausen game about it. And if you're not familiar with Baron Munchausen, you make up tales and then the person can, you know, interject and say, that's not the way I heard it. And then it's it's a tall tale competition. Yes. And so uh, that was what he's referring to that we came up with that would be pretty cool for people to kind of say this, I've seen this before and they go into a tale and then whoever has the best one, you know, maybe it's collaborative. Correct. Or the GM comes up with and says, actually, Brett, that is exactly you. You, you knew that and you tout that and that's actually correct. I don't know how you play it in the game, but neither do I. Yeah, that's good. You know what? I had a long one. You had a short one. So you got to read this next one. We're going to give you Mr. Nagy's. You got Ed's. All right. Uh, so Ed writes an email regarding magic items. One of the great things about listening to the chaos that is gaming and BS is that it pushes my brain to organize and categorize. If you really want to understand what the hell we're doing, you've pretty much got to parse this out and put us in some kind of bucket or buckets. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that we don't do is talk backwards randomly. Right. That's true. Right. Like uh, Twin Peaks. Yes, that's true. So. I guess yeah, that, we're not, and we're not doing that. I guess we got that going for us. That's we do indeed. During the most recent episode on magic items, I started putting together a framework which might even be applicable more broadly. I'll stay focused. Why are magic items showing up? Ah, that question alone is good. No, it is. That's kind of the you know why do I have this mechanic? Why is this thing even here? What the hell is it supposed to fucking do in my game? Why? 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 So no, he's got a few bullets here. First one, to reward the players after their PCs have been through some downbeats. This is about keeping the emotional roller coaster going. In this case, I would probably tell the players what the items do with minimal fuss so the reward remains a reward. Fair. Fair enough. Number two, to help the PCs overcome some specific obstacle. Finding the boots of quietude. Is it quietude? Quietude. 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 Not quietude. I would name it Kiatude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to be Kiat. I'm hunting rabbit. Be very, very Kiat. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Got a little more fun going there. Finding right. the boots of quietude allows the wearer to stay calm amidst the sirens while trying to unlock the trap door. In this case, it doesn't do any good for the PCs to have to head back to town to visit the great library of knowledge but it probably does make sense for them to have to expend some minor resource or at least make some rolls. These items may be single-use items. This is the reason items are often in a one-shot and is why it seems that all dragons keep an arrow of dragon slaying two or three rooms away from them in their lairs. Weird, that. <laughs> Indeed it is. Right. Well, yeah. I guess you got to keep it... Yeah, why not just put it right under you that... Yeah. Right. Well, it gets you for a roll over it. It just kills you. Well, uh, oh, yeah. That's a good point, Brett. It is. It's a very good point. Uh, to Next one. To generally increase the power level of the PCs in order to allow them to tackle new storylines. Uh, similar to the last, but over a longer time scale and less specific, these could be healing potions, magic weapons, or general useful bits and baubles. Unless they are common items, I would definitely want to force some shenanigans to identify them and hopefully to make the items stand out a little so that they don't get lost in the fine print of the character sheet. This is this one also appears in one shot since there is no time to level up. Okay. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. Another reason why magic items show up. To demonstrate the mood of the world. This is where Monty Hall, Money Hall. Yes comes in. I am currently a player in a game that reminds me of when we were 12 and having a blast. At third level, we've chatted with at least two gods, 
had multiple artifacts passed through our hands and are headed off to kill an ancient dragon. Crazy shit. (laughs) Yes, it is. His words, not mine. Uh, I'm too much of a jerk to ever run a game where my players have so much fun, but I'm enjoying the heck out of it. In this case, there are tons of easy ways to figure out what the items do from talking to them to noticing the engravings on them to rolling well on Arcana. Similarly, one could set the mood of history by introducing the Prince of Thune's sword or intergalactic intrigue as blasters appear or whatever. There you go. And the last one he has, uh, the last reason why you have magic items, as a, ba- as a story hook, go to the damn library and meet old Shifty, the one-eyed librarian, because it's going to be cool. Then travel on her quest to the mountains of inanity and kill the ogres of obvious ignorance so that you can retrieve the key that opens the box that, finally at the end of the arc, the party has or has destroyed some crazy magic item and they move on to the next big story. Choo-choo! Yeah, the train. train. There we are. Yeah. Whoops, wrong train. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my few gripes with 5e and other well thought out and cohesive rules is that it is difficult to hand wave why sometimes detect magic or identify work and sometimes they don't. I miss the uncertainty and cost of 1e identify. I like to be able to choose when to give out the powers and when to hold them. Sometimes it's about the journey. Sometimes about having a new plus one shiny. Wow. Long email. His words. <laughs> Cheers, Edwin. Well, tell you, Edwin, I like this. This is kind of, <clears throat> this is interesting because he did a thing that probably Sean and I, had we the wherewithal to be more organized, we would have done just such a deal here. I mean, if you take a look at the magic item reasons that he has here, one, two, three, four, five really good reasons. If you say, uh, if you kind of go back to the show and I say like, well, you know, sometimes you just want to give them the data. Sometimes you just want to do that. If I take it, analyze it further and say, why would I want to do that? You know what? It's just a reward. It's just a raw, simple reward. They went and killed 16 ogres on the way to rescue the Prince of Thune. So therefore they picked up a sword. Great. Um, if it is to overcome a specific obstacle. Yeah. You might want to just <clears throat> excuse me, find a way to have them figure that out as they as they're there. If it is something that could linger or last longer or perhaps as part of a larger quest or a story hook, as he says, yeah, maybe it takes him longer to go to the great library, talk to the one eyed librarian or whatever you may happen to have him do. So I like that. That's a, uh, that's a really cool breakdown. And uh, I think those are the questions that oftentimes game masters and players, what you're thinking about them, but not necessarily that that succinctly, you know, I'll say, well, I'm just going to give you this. Why? Because it's not a big deal. Why isn't it a big deal? Well, it's not because it's just a reward. So, but oftentimes in the heat of play, it's not easy to do to kind of bottle bottle the lightning and say exactly why you're doing it, what it is that you're doing. Other than years of experience have told me at this moment, I simply give them the thing. Why am I doing that? I don't know. Years of experience simply says to do. But if you digest it, tear it apart, I bet you a lot of uh, my reasons or reasoning could be breaking in one of these five five uh, line items here. We might have to uh, hire Mr. Ed to just do our outline for us because he's he's better to organize than we are. Yeah, at this. It's, man, it's on top of it. Very on top of it. Good stuff, man. Thank you, sir. Hey, right. And thank you thank you to everybody who wrote in and uh, called in. That was really good stuff. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. All right, let's get into the, uh-oh. Oh, man, I don't think I have a main topic set up. Uh-oh. Oh, my Sean God. Had a, Sean had a technical snafu earlier. He gets on the mics. He's like, God damn. I say, what? He goes, I can't get my fucking soundboard. I'm like, oh, well, that's no good, dude. Yeah, so I updated iOS, and then I go to the app that we use for the sound effects, and they're all gone. <sighs> and so I had to load them up before the show, and that was one that got uh, missed. But anyways, yeah. hey. Burr, burr, burr. Fanfare. There we go. We should do like uh, Misdirected Mark, man. Yeah. Acoustic style. Go ahead, Brett. You did it. Okay, there we are. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Topic of discussion. Brett, what are we talking about this week? I want to talk about evil parties or evil games. We've talked about this a bit before, and uh, Phil and Chris and uh, Sunday and Emily touch on this. Well, not just touch on it, but Sunday and Emily, if you listen to the latest edition of uh, She's a Super Geek, where uh, Sunday ran... I got a chance to participate in a game with them. Hey, I gotta, hey, I gotta say something because my <laughs> yeah. name was mentioned in that episode. 
Yeah. What was uh, Phil they, talking about? Dressing Phil me up was, like a deer? What is yeah, he? he was he was saying that is there a level on the Patreon backer where I could shoot Sean with an arrow? Is there a level I could back to get it to that? And he was, he was saying like a blunt or some way to make it not not hurt too badly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I don't know if I could do that. Can we get Kelly to dress up like a deer and then shoot him with an arrow. <laughs> hey, that's funny, Vecchione. <laughs> well, if you were there, it was hilarious. So uh that early in the morning with not enough coffee. But there is one of the pieces that, apart from <clears throat> the safety issue that we got into there, and I don't want to steal it, listen to, we can maybe talk about that another show, but um, it's if you listen to it, it's a really good uh, kind of a case study, if you will, as to when there's a safety breakdown at the table, X card, failure to use, and so forth. Mr. Director Mark did a really good job covering it post in their QCC wrap-up episode a couple back, so I would uh, strongly suggest you listen to that. <clears throat> Anyhow, Sean, there is... There's a couple different ways to kind of look at an evil game. If someone says, hey, I want to play a game where we're all evil. Or I want to play a game where we're evil uh, or some variation on that theme. What, Sean, what does that do? What, what do you think? Do you, do you always think, oh, great, we're all chaotic evil? What is that? That's every game I ever GM with D&D. The, part, the party's always evil. They go out the woods. They kill innocent animals and beasts. They go into their houses. They take their shit. Like, what the hell? Bunch of amoral crackpot bastards. That's what they are. They're murder hobos. There you go. Even the paladins. God damn it. But if I guess if you really want to get on the evil train. I do. Then yes. Uh have I I've run have I run an evil campaign? Uh, and, uh, I don't well, know. Tell you what, let's 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 Can't do uh let's do a vacuum here and step back for a second. So an evil campaign, there's a couple different ways <clears throat> I think to really talk about what an evil game is. It's all relative. It can it it is essentially very relative. If you have a game where alignment is a very strong thing, uh five oh. E D and D not not quite so much, but you were a philosophy yeah. major, weren't you, Brett? Oh um, yes. That yes. alignment must drive you absolutely bonkers. Oh, it totally does. <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> drives me fucking bonkers. But if you say, Well, we're all gonna play chaotic evil or we're all gonna play lawful evil or neutral evil or all that type of thing. There's a stigma or, or there's pieces and parts that go with it. And then there's a game replay like Vampire. You're an evil thing. You basically, you know, attack people and drink their blood and either kill them for it or leave them dazed and confused in an alleyway or something, wondering what the hell happened. And they have this drained hangover type feeling. So it's kind of a <clears throat> horrible. You're doing bad, bad things. If you play a game like Cartel, you're our cartel be your cartel members. You are murdering people. If you're playing a game where you're gangsters doing illegal things, that is seen by many to be evil. You know, you're you're involved in prostitution, involved in gambling, you're involved in leg breaking. Um, you're playing an assassin in a DD game. Well, most people would say, you know, someone who just kills people for money is probably not a very nice person. Um, so I think there's different, there's levels and variations of evil. And in my head, the before when people say, "Oh boy, that'll be a lot of fun," my first head, my first thought in my head is like, "I don't want to game with you people," because <laughs> they're just looking for an excuse to do obscenely weird, strange things. This is what happened to me anyway in the in the D and D world, where we're all going to play evil characters. Great, you want to in high school, you want to you know murder, rape, pillage, torture, do stuff without the game master or the paladin in the party saying, "No, you can't torture the goblins." You just want to fucking slaughter stuff. You want to not have to worry about moral repercussions. Okay. Um, maybe that was fun in high school or something for a while, but even then that was never a lot of, that's not very, there's no hero. There's no heroics to it. There's nothing really interesting to me. That is so base um, a variation of it. The only reason that like <clears throat> vampire was interesting to me was because there was some component of humanity to it. You were still tied to a thing and you were challenged if you did something, if you tried to do something that was very evil or depraved or bad, you had issues. You could lose humanity points or whatever the case could be. So, Sean, I mean, does that does that change your thought or opinion or anything? Or did I do you have anything you want to add to that? Did I, did I go too crazy? No, I think that wraps it up, buddy. Let's get into die roll. <laughs> nice. Everybody's we, probably like, finally, they got to the point and it's finished. Finally, like, boom. Fuck, it's done. It's like exactly so what you, they should have talked about. Have you run or played in an evil game before like that? I I can't. I know I have. I know. I mean, literally, a, an evil game or evil campaign 
maybe comes up once every 10 years, if that. I mean, we were, I was much younger. It would have been during my first stint. When I got back into it in, I don't know, 2000 or whatever it was, I don't think I've played an evil campaign. Now, um, the Edge of the Empire is kind of on the cusp. I don't think you guys were evil necessarily, but there's definitely a selfish, uh, well, we, were ro- we were rogues, rogues, and, right? You know, we, we, Scoundrels. We, we, we cheated people. Yeah. We stole stuff. We specifically went out to steal stuff, right? Do break in entering, but we did have the you know the kind of the uh, the villains with a heart of gold thing is that we didn't necessarily we didn't just murder people all the time for the sake of murdering. Well, there's no. I think there's a difference between let's put it this way: chaotic evil does not work. Like I as, agree. As a group, I it just. You, if somebody were like, I want to, let's make a chaotic evil party. It's like, how are you going to prevent yourselves from killing each other? I mean, I All guess. Right. Chaos ensues um, that at the first opportunity, everybody murders everybody else. Okay, moving on. Right. Or maybe, yeah. yeah, you all fight each other. Maybe nobody dies, but you come to your senses and say, oh, okay, okay. All right. Okay. I give up. Uncle. Yeah. Right. Until the next time it happens. I know that somebody out there has run an evil D&D campaign with great success. I know they're out there oh, somewhere. Sure. Somebody's going to tell us or out there listening. They may not tell us directly, but they'll be like, hey, I've done that before. What the fuck is Brett's problem? Um, I, and some of this is just raw personal choice. But if I if you're bad people doing bad things, right? So we're playing nice black agents, let's say. And I'm an ex-wet works guy. I used to murder people. I was an assassin and so forth. And now suddenly I'm thrust into this world where I am... Badass fucker Jason Bourne, but now I'm fighting vampires. I'm now fighting something evil and wicked that's even worse than what I was. I'm like, this thing has to go. Um, you're still a bad person and you're tough and you might beat up a cop or you might do something and so on, but you feel like you have this greater goal or a good or or something that's that's <clears throat> that's kind of driving you. I think that being a bad person that does bad things, even in a game like Amber, where you're basic, you can be an amoral god that does whatever you want. But there's still ramifications. There's still impact. The world at large or that that multiverse at large will have a negative reaction if you do horrible things and you're, you know, if you're like, well, you know, I'm going to make a guy that's basically like Stalin. I'm going to go do this crazy ass thing, um, do horrible, evil things. At some point, there's, you know, the world revolts against that. And I don't think, <laughs> honestly, don't, I don't find them to be a lot of fun for very long there's like this weird satiated uh, a strange bloodlust when which i could have gotten by just you know purging the hills of the goblins i didn't necessarily have to be an evil party to satiate my desire to you know murder things and take their stuff like you said like you said at the beginning every game is is kind of evil in a way but do you do you like them does that idea even sing to you like hey i want to i want to do evil stuff i want to be an evil person no because it doesn't ring true to myself, Brett. Wow, you're a terrible liar. I don't have an alter <laughs> ego waiting to be evil. Yes, yes, you do. Well, I mean, I want to punch people in the face, but I don't know if that's being evil. That no, just may be lack of control. That's just that's just having to be a recruiter and having wow. to deal with management. That's just a, that's yeah. just regular. It's kind of corporate America for you. Yeah, pretty much. Um, No, I do see what you're saying where it's, you know, you can do different things in a game and it's, if you're evil, then there's the motivations may change. Uh, I think you can run, I think you can run a morally questionable game. Yes. Right. I think that the cool part there is that. Where people will ultimately think you're evil because of what you're doing. Yes. Right. And that's where the, the concept of the hard choice comes in, right? A dungeon world component and, things that you've done to us in uh, like the star Wars game, or I try to do in other games I run, like, do you want to do this thing or not? You're like, Oh, I think this is the right thing to do. It's morally questionable to anybody. If anybody finds out I killed this woman, I could be in a bad way, but I think she, I'm 90% positive. She's the cause of this greater evil. So I'm going to murder her and I'm pretty sure I'm right, but no one will ever believe me. Oh my God. uh, What do I do? What do I do? Those hard choices Moral amb- ambiguity or, you know, that, that type of thing makes for a more interesting story or concept of what evil may or may not be or how people could react to you than just saying, well, I'm evil. Therefore, I get to murder and pillage and 
do horrible things and torture people. Yeah, they use that's it. Very, they, that's a yeah. It's a base juvenile thing. They use it as an out. Yes. I mean, we get to, that's how people play neutral. Like I'm neutral. Like, and then they get the I can kind of cross that line whenever I want because I'm chaotic neutral, and it's like, ah, sure, okay. <laughs> sure, you're just being right. a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the um, having characters that are, um, and part of this comes down to if you're a one dimensional, if the characters are one dimensional, or the setting is one dimensional, where it's like, look, I am. We're all clerics of Tharzadun. We're all clerics of Orcus. We're all, you know, that type of thing. Wow. Or we're all drow living in a Menzel Baranzon. We're all living in this nasty underground city. You can do that. I mean, there's a hierarchy around that. The drow are evil. There's nasty things that go on. I think you could play it successfully in that environment. And from a safety perspective, you don't necessarily have to get into graphic descriptions of evil. All right, we're going to take this. We've talked about this before. Okay, that will be that person. They're going to go to the torture chamber, hopefully get some answers, roll a few dice, see what comes of it. Or we'll go do this thing. We have to uh, sacrifice this deep gnome um, to to get something from Loth, or we have to do this other thing to summon a demon. Um, You can kind of hand wave some of that evil so it doesn't, it's not like this depravity celebration. But I think. Other than, other than that, I, I just, I don't know. I, I when, when I think nowadays, when I think about, hey, we're going to play a game, I don't think. Well, is it an evil campaign? Is it a good campaign? I'm much more into the. I'm going. What kind of character are you? I'm a badass motherfucker, an assassin dude, and and she's just brutal, and she just, you know, she killed her own father when she was young, and about you, and make this dark, nasty ass character. Like, wow, she sounds terribly evil, and just cold-hearted absolutely yeah who wouldn't she kill what will she kill anybody seriously she has no qualms babies oh no that's it oh no 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 children okay and you you take that character and you poke it a little bit and then you find a thing that they won't go past then you give them a hard choice you give them something to uh, to challenge their worldview i think is more interesting than just saying well you're evil so yeah you you know slaughter all the babies you uh kill all the nuns you you know nail the door shut and burn everyone alive that's just what you do i, I don't know that just doesn't sing to me anymore and i see it periodically Any, online more, somebody anymore, anymore. <laughs> back in the day when i was a horrible evil person <laughs> uh, last last week Brett, um, Brett turned to the light side and now he's been <laughs> saved now i've been saved yeah that's what it is um I practically will see online where people will talk about this or I'll be at game stores and people talk about this evil campaign they ran. And usually traditionally it's D and D. Oh, we're all kind like evil was so much fun. I'm like, how the hell is that fun? I don't, I don't quite get it. It just doesn't, it doesn't do much for me. I think you can have fun if you structure it in a very specific way. Like I said, like the, the, the drow idea, but. Yeah. I think if you take it from a, drama perspective so if you were to take a game of thrones kind of situation that's a good example gamify it right who who would you say is evil in that series right everybody well some <laughs> maybe you know joffrey so, king joffrey was kind of you know was he evil or just a major well, asshole at was he less evil than somebody else, or was he evil in a new and interesting way? Well, Sons of Anarchy. You end up rooting for these guys. You're like, they murder people and cut their hands off. They do horrible things. Right. And some of it is for their own personal gain. Yes. And therefore, maybe it's not being chaotic evil in the sense that you're like, I don't, you know, murdering everything, blah, 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 blah. Maybe it's very calculated. You know, there's a uh, a point to it, right, to further themselves somehow or the group they represent, where it's not just going into a town and doing mass murder. Yeah, so it, from a story perspective, like a game like Cartel, or if I was going right. to <coughs> excuse me, do Game of Thrones or Sons of Anarchy, and I was going to say, you know, we're going to be biker gang guys, and we're going to do this, and there's structure behind it. You're doing this because you're selling guns or drugs or you're doing this thing. Okay. Um you can have the lead character in Sons of Anarchy. My wife was addicted to the show, so I've seen a few of them um, back when it was when it was on. You know, Jack's the main character, has a son. He was married for a while. There's this weird relationship thing. There's these story beats that go with it. It's very drama, drama system-y type of thing, you know, trying to get different things and 
and solve personal drama and greed while you're thrust within, you're stuck within this world or this life. Then a game that you would say is evil. Like these are really bad people that do bad things all day long. You don't have to get overly graphic. Like I say with the descriptions, but then it becomes a type of story you're going to tell. It becomes the Breaking Bad story. You know, you can't tell me Walter was a really nice guy. He started. <laughs> he started out that way. <clears throat> oh, he started out that way. Yeah, but Walter didn't turn out really nice. But uh, it goes. But he was personally furthering his his spiel. Right. He is his story. He was everything he did was for him. While it starts out as kind of like this. You know, I wouldn't say altruistic, but he's Spoilers. trying. Well, there's, I'm not. Yeah, I'm teasing. He, he's trying to provide for his family. Yeah. And then it goes off the rail, not off the rails, but it, yeah, it goes down an, an avenue that, hey, quit eating my mixer, cat. Um, it goes a certain way that portrays him in a very poor light. But again, I think it goes to. I, th- I think there is an you can be evil, but be it's very calculated. There's a very yes. there's a very uh, directed purpose behind. Because even in even those types of stories, the people that are what could be seen as an agent of chaos or just this crazy out of control individual, be like, what is she doing? Oh my god, she's insane! Right. Even the other people that are bad, bad biker bastards that would you know kill you, cut your tongue out and, uh, you know, you know, l- leave it there for the cops to find some weird message or something. They still look at this other crazy person who does it for quote unquote, no reason as too much. <clears throat> that's just insane. And they don't even like that. That's, that's too far. <clears throat> I think there's in, this is kind of, I was kind of wanting to talk about this because I was curious. I know that when I run, when I run vampire, or even when I did, the bad magic game. And even in the trail of Cthulhu game, you guys have had to make some choices. Like, what do I do here? At one point in the last session, you guys had some crazy ass cultist people like unconscious and tied up. And the, the, the mobster was like, maybe we should just kill them. And the rest of the group's like, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's one thing to knock these guys out and try to do different things and maybe pull a fire alarm or do something crazy, but not murder. Not yet. You know, and having that type of hard choice, it's what what you guys are doing is illegal. You're breaking and entering. You're you're you know utilizing um, medical information and technology and all this stuff illicitly. So could be seen by some people as evil, but you're doing it for a reason. You've got a good. You're trying to find out what this horrible thing is that's happening. Um, and in a game like a Sons of Anarchy or a Game of Thrones, you're stuck in a world like a cartel. You're stuck in a world where this is how you operate. Maybe your character's goal is to get out of said world, but you're going to have to to live and survive in there. You're going to have to do things that are morally questionable. And that is, to me, an interesting story versus I'm just in here to be juvenile, uh, use the phrase rape and pillage, right? If that's the if that's the whole reason where you're doing then that's not, a, that's not an evil character story I'm at all interested in. That doesn't interest me at all. Right. And I think that type of thing has no place at the table. No, I'm with you. Like Streets of Bedlam is the Sin City, right? Frank, oh, there you Frank go. Miller, That's Sin good City, right? Yeah. It, all moral ambiguity or mm-hmm. or or questionable morality mm-hmm. um, comes into play, and when that happens, then it's then it's relative, and then it's yes. also you know uh, perspective mm-hmm. comes into play. So you get characters that, or even NPCs that seem to be evil. Or they do good things. Maybe they, it's like the vigilante, right? Goes around murdering people, but they're bad people. So it's okay. Yeah. Batman breaks the bad guy's spine. You're like, you, you paralyzed this kid for life. He's 20. He's paralyzed for life. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, says Batman. Somebody could say he's evil. You put a bar down on the corner and start preaching about how the party's evil and maybe you can sway a few people. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think it's not. I didn't want to turn this into like an alignment episode, so I don't. I don't think that's it. I think the the piece here is the type of story that's of interest, or the type whatever happens. Like I say, the truth is at the table. So whatever you're telling that's going on at the game is if the type of thing that is is just some weird juvenile chaotic. Hey, we're chaotic evil, therefore I get to torture goblins. 
that's really fucking stupid and boring. And I, I'm not into that. That's nothing to do with anything I'd be interested in. But if you told me, Hey, we're gonna play streets of Bedlam, Brett. Wow. Okay. <sighs> There's going to be some moral ambiguity. You know, we've got some lines and veils. We're not going to, you know, get overly graphic with some of the evil. We might say a thing happens or, Hey, I don't like this descriptor or whatever. Fine. We can, you know, we can do the X Cardi stuff. We can talk about the safety pieces once that's all agreed upon. And then you're going through the story and, you know, then the characters are deeper than just I'm here for chaos. I'm here to do. There's more than they're not just one dimensional. I guess the one dimensional evil character is very boring and it's a cut out throwaway thug cultist that lives in mini Cthulhu episode or anything else like that. They're just, they're, they're the mooks. And do you want your character to be a fucking mook? I don't think so. I sure don't want my, my character to be a mook, you know? So, I mean, when I played Knights Black Agents with Sneezak at QCC, you know, Angela Murray and I are sitting there together and our characters know each other pretty well. And we're, we've done bad things. We've done some bad stuff and neither one of us are mooks, man. That's not, we've got deeper meetings and stuff back and forth. And we're working with Nikki and the rest of the team and, and Tom and those folks. And we're bad people that do bad things, but we weren't mooks. We weren't just one dimensional. And that I think takes a game, an evil party or a morally questionable party and adding the depth to it makes it much more interesting. I agree. I totally agree, man. It's it's like the Joker. He's a crazy, insane psychopath, but he's still calculating and rational to further his own gain, which, now he, you know, his is a little bit more on the kind of more evil side of things. <laughs> Slightly more evil. Right. Yeah. But he's kind of, he's directing things, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's... He's a real evil motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's pretty bad. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't, we don't have to beat the horse per se yeah. as, as we are want to do, but I, um, I'm actually, I'm very interested to see what other people think. I mean, there is, there are folks who are like, I don't want to play, you know, I don't, I don't not want to play vampire anymore because I don't want to play. I don't want to run games with evil people doing evil things. I don't want to run vampire anymore because I did it for too goddamn long and I'm, I don't care about vampires anymore. Um, I know there are people though, who will not play a game that's not heroic or obviously good versus evil. Some people enjoy that type of thing, but I'm curious as to what our listeners might think, you know, how have they run evil games? Do they agree or disagree? Is there a decent way to run a chaotic evil game? I mean, do you have it so that you're simply, you're all minions of Sauron and you're just doing a thing trying to survive and you're just some poor Howard Rim, you know, that's been called up from the Southlands to lay war against, lay siege against Gondor and you're just trying to struggle through. Then it's kind of, again, that feels like a Sons of Anarchy type of uh, story. I don't know. I'm kind of curious as to how other people are doing it. So write in, call in, let us know what you're doing. Yeah, let us know if you've run a evil campaign or been a part of or been a player in an evil campaign. Yep, or and how you may define it. Maybe Sean and I did a real shit job, which is highly possible, of uh, defining or trying to define, and maybe there's a better way to look at it. All right, let's get into die roll. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery you want to bring to your attention. Brett, the floor is yours. Oh, well, thank you, sir. I've got two. The first one I have is there is a strange... Uh, police are investigating a bizarre crime spree in East Kensington. So apparently there is surveillance videos uh, show that a, there's this, there's a woman who's stealing of, of all things, the number zero from the address marker of a house. And apparently somebody has been stealing numbers from houses. There's like no, literally almost no value in this type of thing. Like, so your house is to, you know, 2200. Someone takes one zero off of that and then leaves. Um, so immediately I see that and go, okay, that's cult activity. That's some weird, bizarre, you know, city necromantic funkiness happening. There's some, there's some reason they're doing that. Um, <clears throat> so again, if as uh, the more you get into gaming, the more everything you read, like, oh, I can make a game out of that. So uh, take a look at this. It's a, it's a interesting, and uh, like I say, if nothing else, it, it'll give you some plot ideas. The other one I had was a cyberpunk glossary. Um, I can't remember where I saw this, but I had it bookmarked on the sides as something to throw out there. So it is a um, an A to Z of cyberpunk terminology. Uh, everything from like, you know, uh, BD is a breakdown. Uh, Benny is an out-of-towner. 
bit jockeys or programmers. You look at, um, let's see here, uh, Gaijin for, for our uh, gangbanger. They've got that one in there. New Yen, world standard of currency. Um, just It's just a lot of those cool things. And one of the pieces that I've found over the years that can be difficult for me breaking into a new genre is that not knowing the lingo, you use the lingo inappropriately. And when you use the lingo inappropriately, you break the mood. You start you start a fit of giggles at your table or, or whatever. So this type of uh, glossary could be pretty handy for somebody trying to pull a cyberpunk game off or anything with that type of feel. So thought I would share that. Sean, over to you, sir. Yeah, that's a good one, Brad. I like that cyberpunk one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me, I've got uh, archaeologists discover a Nazi time capsule in Poland. Oh. What could possibly I, go wrong? Well, who doesn't like punching Nazis in the face? So right here's a game. There you go. Um, And maybe the time capsule, you know, maybe it unlocks secrets. Perfectly preserved copies of Mein Kampf, newspapers, coins, photogra- photographs, training centers, founding. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's crazy. Awesome. Uh, second one. Hobbies make us happier, so ignore the mockery and enjoy. Posted this up on Google+. Plus. Might have put, put it on Facebook, too. I can't recall. But it's basically saying, hey, man, hobbies are good, so just do it. Like, if it's something like, uh, I think there's a picture with a guy who's a... Uh, Model uh, train enthusiast on the in yep. the article. So Obviously, elderly gentleman in a sweater, um, playing with electric trains, and clearly he knows his like he's at a train expo. <laughs> this dude knows his trains. It, yeah, I like this. Yeah. So the next time somebody makes fun of you for playing D and D, go hey, play fantasy football. That's kind of funny too. Yeah, we had my wife was at a um, while I was out in New York. My wife went to a um to a little family wedding, very small event. So she went with the kids and one of the uh, people there looked at her and said, well, Hey, where's your husband? And she said, well, he's at a gaming convention. What? A D and D thing. She explained it. And he goes, what a waste of time. And she said, do you watch football? And he kind of looked at her. She said, that's your hobby. That's his. That guy's lucky you weren't there, Brett. <laughs> yeah, I, I might've punched him in the throat. <laughs> that might not have gone well for him. And I'm like, really, really? That's first off, you just insulted me to my wife. That's not going to go well because I'll see him at the next family gathering. I got this guy's name and number. This won't go well for him. Regardless, though, have your wife escort you over. Go, hey, remember that guy I was telling you about? This is him right here. This is him. This is him. (laughs) You short, fat, little dumpy shit. (laughs) Anyway, um, I'm seriously though. It's one of those pieces where over the years we've talked about this on a hundredth episode and so on. You know, I like this stuff. I don't care who knows. I just don't care. I know some people don't like that, uh, are a little nervous or perhaps ashamed of the geek flag, but fuck it. This is my hobby, man. It's what I do. That's right. Uh, and then, uh, number three, this is from Victor. I, I snaked it off him. I think he posted it to our community and his general stream on Google plus trench monkeys, RPG podcast. I have not listened to this show, but I think I'm going to queue it up. Uh, it's for active duty military and military veteran gamers. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, I don't, there might be some uh, a military Ben. I'm sure it's if you, you're not active duty, you can listen to it, too. Uh, but in, there may be maybe some vocabulary. There's going to be lingo, lingo that I'm gonna in there. Go. Right. I'm going to have to email Sean and go, hey, what does this mean? <laughs> yeah. What's yeah, what's eight up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll tell you, though, there is, we talked about this before with, with you in the military. There are a lot of men and women that I've met who are former military that have gamed. It's There's a lot of them. It's really cool. Yeah. So I'm going to so check that out. I don't know. I don't know what the bend. I mean, obviously there's a bend, but I don't know how that plays a role in the grand scheme of things. Well, cool. Yeah. And the last one we had is from listener Tim Shorts. He uh, point us, points us to the Dwarvenaut. It is a, uh, it's a, it's a IMDB link in the show notes there. It's out there. It's a little it's a uh, documentary. documentary. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. About, um, Stefan. you know, the Stephen Porknoy, uh, about the, uh, D and D stuff, the, the dungeon, excuse me, the Dwarven Forge stuff. It's, it's really interesting. I've not, I've not read it. I've heard about it. I've not read it, seen it, heard about it. I've heard some good things. Some people said, eh, this, that, or whatever, but Hey, that's, it's gamer, man. That's pretty cool. Well, a lot of us, some of us know Stefan. I mean, he's yeah. been to Gary. I think he's been to Gary Khan. I think he's coming to Gamehold Con. I mean, I think, uh, I know Alex knows him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's 
very approachable. Um, I think so I was. Like one I think us. I was with you at Gary Con. Like, hey, that's that guy, and he was busy, so I didn't have a chance to introduce myself. But yeah. pretty cool. Yep. Pretty damn cool. Yeah, I was surprised. That, I mean, it's on Netflix. I'm surprised it hit Netflix so soon because I think is. Oh, thank you for saying that. That was a key piece. Is if you have Netflix, yeah. it's at least in the U.S. Netflix. So yes, in the U.S. Netflix, uh, we can't speak to the other. Countries. I know I know Canada sometimes doesn't get all the same things that Netflix has here in the US. So my hope is that it's out there for every gamer to enjoy. Indeed. Yeah, so check that out. I looked, I watched it, but it was really late at night and I fell asleep. Not due to the movie, just because I was queuing it up at like one in the morning. Because um, we're old and we sleep at, yeah. at one in the morning. That's what we do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out again and, and rewatch it. But yep, good stuff. But I think that's it for die roll. I think it is. Yeah. So this episode of Gaming ABS brought to you by uh, GameholeCon.com. November, we've got a gaming convention here in Madison. Uh, it's like the first weekend in November. Mm-hmm. You know, check out GameholeCon.com. Things are wrapping up as far as registration goes and everything. It's only, I mean, as this drops, almost a month it's away. almost October. Yeah, yeah, it's almost October. We're like right on the cusp of this thing. So Which means be- Brett and Sean will be in a flurry of uh, rule book reading catching up and saying, oh my God, oh my God, I have a game to prep. That's Dude. what's going to happen. I can tell you right now. I'm looking at Sean across the across the screen here. Yeah, yeah, we're both fuck. I, I had time like today. I'm going to do my pre-gens. I'm going <laughs> to sit down and knock those out. No. Do you think I'd do it? No. I actually have most of my pre-gens done. I just got some other stuff to do. I want to I want to make it fancy. I want to be, the problem is I want to be like. You, you want to pull like a, a great, a big, fancy. I want to do like Mr. Yeah, Mr. Kiesler. Oh, yeah. But I just, the thing is, is that he does that for a little, I mean, he must knock those suckers out pretty quick. Like He's amazing. He and guys like, between Kiesler and Randy Farmer, I'm like, I'm not, I don't, that's an, I may aspire to such a thing at some point, but I also know my limitations. (laughs) Carl Kiesler and Google Plus. Absolutely. If you follow anybody, yeah. And Randy Farmer with the cardboard stuff. Oh, hell yeah. Um, It's just, man. I need to just kind of do one event, multiple cons. Like this is, and it started out with like. Well, that was the, when I, when gems. I fought that, yeah, that when I fought the Tarask with the terrible Tarask event, um, that, oh, John Arcadian ran at QCC. It comes in a box. He built a box for the terrible Tarask event. He has the Tarask miniature. Everything's in it. He picks the box up, takes it to a con, lays it down. It's the same event all the time. And it's really, really cool. And it's portable, and it's right there. So, yeah, that's kind of what you got to do. Anyway. Build upon it every time. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, anyways. But we thank Gaming, uh, Gaming, Game Hole Con for sponsoring the show. Absolutely. suppose we should get Alex on here again. Should we? We absolutely should. Should have him as a guest. Yeah, we'll get him on there. We'll get him on to talk about one of our topics. There we go. Yeah. We've done collecting with them. I think there was another one. Then there was the interview. A couple times. Yeah. I mean, he's been on here like five times. People know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's fun, though. We'll get him on. Yeah. All right, then. That's that's that's, that's a wrap, man. I was going to say, let's let's shut this fucker down and move well, on. What are, we talking, what are we talking about next week, Brett? Next, next week, we're going to have episode 108. We're going to talk about side quests. We had this. I pimped this in one of the last episodes. I think the last episode, uh, 106, and uh, kind of uh, how we use side quests and all those good things. And... Uh, Mr. Kevin Lovecraft graced me with a uh, with two bottles of uh, some wonderful whiskey from a small distillery he happened to be passing. So uh, let's get out of here so I can crack into that. That sounds good. Uh, so thank you for listening to the show. If you've told somebody about the show, thank you for doing that. If you haven't told somebody about the show and you think we're worth a damn, maybe just yes. even a small amount. Yes, spread the word. Let somebody know. We appreciate it. Otherwise, Absolutely. Otherwise, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all. Gaming and BS produced with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Steve Day, Jeff Rademacher, Boris DeGary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Old School DM, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Billado. Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Mirko Froelich, Wayne Lumrunner Humfleet, James Carpio, not Caprio, Mark Tasaka, Tony Baker, not so pure mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Brett Pazinski, Corey Johnston, Tim Shorts, Eric Tankar, 
and Brandon Barnes. Consider becoming a patron. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Whoa.